Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. What this act has done and many other uh, initiatives of the federal government have done is really try to uh, circumvent uh, the very constitution that uh, that is, is so important to, to this country uh, and most certainly um, circumvent uh, some of the provincial jurisdiction that that constitution protects. Talking about the Impact Assessment Act and the decision rendered by the Supreme Court of Canada, a rather progressive court, might have surprised a few people and maybe including the Premier of Saskatchewan and the Premier of Alberta, who we're about to talk to, the Impact Assessment Act. It seemed to me like the court was saying, yeah, where are your teeth? We're going to give you a little kick in the teeth here because what they did was they said, clearly declared that the provinces have constitutional rights enshrined rights over energy development. The feds have the rights over federally uh, regulated uh, projects, but not provincial projects. I thought that was an outstanding decision. Well, I would have preferred it if they took it a little further even, but certainly was a better decision than might have been expected with a very progressive Supreme Court. I'm getting tired of the word progressive. It's just so they hijack words and they claim them as their own. I don't like it. But who cares what I like? Danielle Smith is the premier of Alberta. Um, she's back with us on the Roy Green, Premier, uh, Roy Green Show. Premier, thank you so much. Uh, My big, pleasure. Hi, Roy. B- big day, huh? It was a really big day. And, you know, it's uh, what's interesting about it is I think you you share the the surprise of a lot of people. I think even the federal government was surprised they lost so soundly. And I'm delighted that they did because a lot of provinces came together, business groups came together, First Nations came together and drew a hard line. And the Supreme Court agreed with us. And I was very pleased to see that. Yeah, I, I tweeted earlier today, or I X'd, I don't know what to say anymore. Uh, I X'd that the tantrum in the cabinet must have been really exciting to watch if we'd had the opportunity on Thursday. I don't expect you to reply to that. So um, specifically to your province, to Alberta, that the Supreme Court of Canada declared the IAA to be unconstitutional and a violation of constitutionally enshrined provincial rights on energy development and more. What does that mean to Alberta? A couple of things. I mean, the up, the upside of me is that it means that uh, we've been right, that the Constitution matters, that's important, and that the federal government is uh, has been acting illegal, illegally for a long period of time, for six years under this act. And they've been increasingly emboldened. I think they felt that they would get away with this and therefore they could keep on digging into provincial jurisdiction. They're going to have to recalibrate now. They're not going to be able to bring through unilaterally an emissions cap on oil and natural gas or emissions cap on fertilizer or emissions caps on methane or tell the provinces how to manage their electricity grid. These are things that have to be done collaboratively, which is what I've been saying all along. I want to work with the federal government on reaching shared objectives, but they, they can no longer act as if they've got unilateral power to dictate in our areas of jurisdiction. And we'll be standing firm to make sure that they uphold what the Supreme Court has said. So economically, just from the economics um, perspective, what does that mean to Alberta and what does it mean to Canada in a, in a greater context? Well, I can, I can tell you we have lost tens of billions of dollars of investment because of the uncertainty. The, the one I, I, I made an example of and the one that is, I think, underscores just how dramatic 
these projects are when they don't have certainty was the the tech frontier mine that was proposed. It would have been a twenty point six billion dollar oil sands project, and they pulled the plug because they couldn't see a pathway through you know, under this new act to be getting an approval. And so, if that's one project that would have been a twenty billion dollar investment, then you have to wonder how many others there are. I know for sure that the reason why I don't have any. Uh, projects in the queue to build baseload power out of natural gas in our grid in Alberta is because of the uncertainty that the federal government has created. And so we have uh, tens of billions of dollars of additional um, investment that we need to have to build out our grid as we grow, build it out based on what makes sense for our economy. And now we'll be able to put that back on track. And energy, as we know, is is the source of, of all industry. And so the the spinoff and knock-on effects of being able to, to get a reliable growing power grid uh, it's hard for me to, to estimate, but we, we are going to assert ourselves in areas of jurisdiction. We are going to build. We are open for business. We will work with the federal government on a 2050 uh, carbon neutrality target. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to, I think, continue to uh, attract investment from around the world. And I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, the Trudeau government is hanging on to federal governance uh, by the proverbial skin on their teeth. They know that. You know that. I know that. Canadians know that. Polling tells us that. But they're still determined to move ahead with Stephen Gilbo, the environment minister, saying the Supreme Court of Canada decision requires only a little bit of tweaking of the uh, IAA. It's no big deal. We'll just, uh, we'll just tweak it a little bit and it'll be fine. So it doesn't look like uh, the minister is particularly keen on getting into a negotiation with the provinces. Does that make you, I don't know, I don't want to use the word nervous, but concerned? Well, I guess the way I look at it is that they're, they're trying to put the best face on a pretty historic loss because they've been operating illegally for six years. So I, I gather they, that they would want to downplay this, but we're not going to allow them to downplay this. And we're not going to allow them to make minor tweaks and then make us fight another six-year battle again. We expect them to recognize that the Constitution matters. The highest court in the land has said that the Constitution matters and that they have to abide by it. I don't, I don't invade federal jurisdiction. I don't tell them how to run their ports or their airports or their passport services. I wish you um, would. Although, although I wish I could sometimes. But, the, but because I respect federal jurisdiction, I just expect the same thing in return. They should respect our jurisdiction in the same way. Does it do anything as far as empowering the provinces? I'm thinking about all of them now, but I'll ask you about, uh, I know it doesn't really impact the province of Alberta the way it impacts all the others, but does it empower provinces concerning issues such as the carbon tax? I don't think so. I mean, the, they did in the in the decision say that the decision that they'd made on the carbon tax was a very narrow decision based on a regulatory regime. And so I know that the federal government has used that to be emboldened and they shouldn't because they did underscore again that uh, when we lost the carbon tax debate, it, it was on a very specific program. So, look, um, I think we've recognized that the uh, the federal government has the the jurisdiction to impose taxes. We knew that beforehand. I mean, they've had a federal fuel tax for a very long period of time. So shouldn't have, uh, I guess, surprised us that they would be able to impose a, a carbon tax regime. But just because they can, um, can impose one type of very specific tax does not mean they can take away every our latitude to make decisions on the whole range of powers that have been given to us under the constitution they're going to they're going to try to argue that they can but they've been stopped in their tracks by the supreme court and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how my my provincial counterparts take that decision you you will notice we weren't the only province that 
and led on this. I mean, Saskatchewan, did, mm-hmm. Ontario, Quebec were with us. Mm-hmm. A couple of the Atlantic provinces were with us. I think seven in total. And so they felt exactly the same way about federal overreach, which is why it was a good decision. Because uh, when we get it together at the Council of the Federation, every premier has its own frustrations with the federal government. Ours are pretty specific. We've been pretty vocal about it. But I think that every premier wants the, the federal government to work in a more collaborative and less unilateral way. And you said as well that Jason Kenney's, your predecessor as Premier of Alberta, his contribution should not be forgotten. Completely. I was speaking with one of my ministers who said that uh, that the UCP began this challenge even when they were in opposition, because the, the government at the time did not, did not take a legal challenge and then uh, managed to gather steam when they formed government. And also, these are expensive challenges, as you can see. Oftentimes, the federal government just hopes someone loses heart or loses interest or runs out of money. And so they it's hard to sustain these kinds of efforts for six years. But in point of fact, the other provinces came on board. Multiple business groups did, like um, Alberta Enterprise Group, the Business Council of Alberta, and others, even First Nations, the Indian Resource Council. And I think that it was the strength in numbers that was, I think, able to make arguments on a, a whole range of fronts. And over, overwhelmingly, the court sided with us that uh, the Constitution matters, provincial jurisdiction matters, and the federal government needs to stay in its own lane. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a question about uh, what you're looking at and thinking about and proposing, and that is an Alberta pension plan, which will be divorced, I guess, from the Canada pension plan. Well, I can tell you that the discussion about an Alberta pension plan goes back to 2001, when Stephen Harper and several others wrote a firewall letter talking about the ways that we could assert our constitutional rights in the same way that Quebec has. Quebec has its own pension plan. They also have a provincial police. They collect their own taxes. They have their own um, immigration system and various other things. And so the whole conversation that's happened in this province for some, I guess we're going on almost 25 years now, has been how can we uh, assert ourselves in our areas of jurisdiction? There was a a panel that began this uh, before my time back in 2019. And as a result of what Albertans said, they wanted us to look at the report and look at the legislation and see what it would, or develop a report and look at the legislation and see what it would mean. And that's what they did. So I feel like I'm just finishing the the work that had begun and that Albertans had asked us to do. And now it's up to Albertans to decide, having looked at the the act or having looked at the amount of dollars we'd be entitled to, uh, whether or not they, they want to go forward with it. I mean, I, I hope the rest of the country understands why Alberta is so frustrated. The fact that Albertan, Alberta, which only has four and a half million residents, is entitled to 53% of the amount of money that's in the current CPP is because we've over-contributed. We continue to over-contribute. And then those over-contributions compound. And I, I guess the question should be asked is, why is a small province with only four and a half million people consistently expected to carry the freight on every single federal government program? Because the federal government does this to us all the time. They overtax us. And then they do not deliver back an equivalent amount of benefits. And that's what I think Albertans are frustrated about. So that's part of the conversation we've been having a long time. And we would like a new relationship with the rest of the country. We'd like a new relationship with Ottawa. It's part of the reason why our citizens passed a referendum asking to renegotiate equalization. The federal government ignored it. So I think you will see that I'm going to act on those areas where I do believe I'm getting a, a mandate from the people. And uh, we'll see if uh, they want to have a referendum on this, set up our own pension plan, then they'll make that decision in a referendum. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever 
you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.